Hi, and welcome to episode 187 of No Crying in Baseball, the feudalism episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Can't wait to hear about this one. That's oh, awesome. it's a vocabulary lesson. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, good. At least I know the word this time. You've caught me off guard a couple of times, but I understand <laughs> the concept of feudalism. All right. Just not quite quiz. sure where we're going to fall into baseball with it, but I'm up for it. All right. Woohoo. So I, the Nats are playing right now, right? They are. They are. They are. Do you, have you seen me. how they're doing? Uh, no. Okay. So this is, we're recording on Sunday as usual. And yesterday, and I think the day before, the D-backs beat the Nats, right? No, the day before, the Nats beat the D-backs like 17 to 2. But they got their revenge yesterday by quite a lot. Yeah. Not not that much. (laughs) Well, I guess we will see what happens in a couple hours. The best thing about the D-backs winning, though, is that dance that I talked about, I think it was last week, with my boyfriend, Eduardo Escobar, and former boyfriend from the D-backs, David Peralta, with their like little celebration dance. And now they're doing it with wigs and a mask. Have you seen the latest one? I have not. It's have pretty not. awesome. And I, re- I I wish I could remember the like cute little comment that our friends at Two Strike Noise made about it. But Eduardo Escobar it goes on the furry side and has like a cat head on him. And every other team member has some sort of rainbow wig. And just the vibe is just rocking. So I, I appreciate the D-backs for their enthusiasm. And if you got to beat the Nats, you know, at least we get something out of it. So the, my only complaint about what you said is that you said the mm-hmm. best thing about the Nats losing to the D-backs as opposed to the only good thing. Okay. Yeah. Pretty I mean, much. So, okay. Yeah. The only the only good thing is is, is the dance. And I'm, I'm okay with that. So yeah, my happy for that. the week is let's go Caps. Hockey playoffs have started. The Capitals have won the, their, their first playoff game. Ouch. Like, Against who, Potty Mouth? Uh, so I'm on the other side of this coin. That would be Yar. the Bruins. And I would rather see the Bruins win. So I'm I know hoping. you would. That's why I'm wearing my all caps t-shirt and drinking a <laughs> beer out of my Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals koozie. Because I don't know if I'll be able to celebrate for any more games, but I've got one. That's, got you one. know, I, I did not come prepared. I'm wearing my throw like a girl shirt, which is a little bit of a shout out to our special episode upcoming with DC Girls Baseball. Woohoo! Yay. Yeah. Stay tuned. Later this week, we get a, a full episode with our friends from DC Girls Baseball. On today's show, we've got the boyfriend report featuring a home for pool holes, a call up, a collision and a three run homer. Our police blotter features a half a billion dollar grievance. It features looking the other way and a vocabulary lesson. We're betting on the A's to move to Vegas. We have really ugly cross-training with uh, high school softball. Our international baseball segment features women's baseball in the UK and the CPBL response to a COVID outbreak. And our COVID report this time features the Yankees and the Padres. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, man. You know, it's the good news, bad news thing. I guess we're with that every week. I am blown away by... Albert Pujols going to the Dodgers. So last week, I think oh it God. was it was right away, right after he got released by the Angels, and I was all sorts of shades of pissed off in the in the last week. And then there were you know rumors about well, what's going to happen to him now? And right the day where where he signed, there were rumors about him talking to the Cards. And of course, I thought you know that's it's just poetic, and you love happy ending baseball stories for him to go back to the place where. You know, he started and had most of the success of his career. 
And then it seems like the Dodgers just sort of came out of left field. And you kind of wonder, I mean, this is an issue with the cards, but he's very DHE. And so why is he going to a National League team? It seems kind of weird, but I read an article today and it's going to be in the show notes because I totally forgot to put it in the regular notes. So look at our show notes for this article about why it actually makes sense. I mean, on a personal level, he doesn't have to relocate. You know, that's right down the street, still in California, not too far. He's going to a winning team. That's a pretty cool thing. But also it talked about how the Dodgers have been really smart about getting veterans in for that clubhouse attitude kind of thing. You know, it's that guy who comes in and helps the other guys out. And if you looked at uh, Trout's reaction, for example, to Pujols leaving, it was he was just heartbroken because he, he was. Said, he was and, and it was because he said that when he had questions, he went to Pujols. Like he 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 appreciated having him as, you know, the more experienced player, somebody. I mean, and Mike Trout, of course, is, you know, above and beyond everybody else. Who's he going to go to for help? And it was the guy he went to. So to lose that, but the Dodgers picked up on that. And apparently they've done this before when they signed um, Chase Utley and David Freeze played the same sort of role that they were not in the starting lineup, but they were that clubhouse guy that these young guys and the Dodgers have a lot of young guys can look up to. So the Angels are still on the hook for the $30 million at this point of that final year of the 10-year $240 million contract. And the Dodgers get to pay a prorated share of the league minimum, which is $570,500 for those of you who are wondering. You know, it's it's really very telling when a bargain basement deal is still half a million dollars. Right. <laughs> right? right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But also the difference between that half a million and what Oh, sure. Making. Well, that's it. That's it for sure. Yeah. More boyfriend updates. As um, last week I was talking about um, Jared Kelnick, my boyfriend for the Mariners, deserving a call up. And guess what? He mm -hmm. got a call up. I'm sure that wasn't me because a lot of like everybody was really calling for it. And he did um, start against the Cleveland team. So it kind of worked for me because his first game, he just he got nothing. He just struck out. So good for my Cleveland team for the second game. He was a rock star. His first hit in the majors was a two-run home run for which he got a curtain call. And he didn't understand that's what was happening. His teammates had to say, no, no, they want to see you because everyone's standing Aww. and cheering for a long time. So we, they kind of pushed him back out of the dugout so he could wave his hat and, and come back in. And he followed that with two doubles. He went three for four. So hooray. This was a good start. I'm very happy about this. I have IL news. Chad Pinder, my A's boyfriend, is finally off the IL just in time for Carson Kelly, my catcher from the Diamondbacks, to go on the IL. And, and Carson Kelly was actually one of my better hitters on my fantasy team. So feel bad for him. And also, you know, but Chad, I got <laughs> Chad back. And the cool thing about Chad is, um, you know, he is a super utility guy. And so the A's count on him to fill in wherever anybody needs a break or someone is hurt or whatever, and they haven't had him for that. So now he's back and they're feeling better about that. Fun fact about boyfriend on, on boyfriend violence, that, that, <laughs> that, that way lopsided Nats diamondback game was so crazy that your former boyfriend, David Peralta came into pitch. 
Oh, and I missed that. Oh, that's so well. Cool. What I missed was having Andrew Stevenson off my bench and an active player because he had a three-run home run off of Peralta. Uh, yeah. So hooray for my guy, and sorry for no points. And I, I love when a position player ends up pitching because it's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I totally don't know which game it was, but I saw that your other former boyfriend Matt Carpenter from the Cards did some pitching and actually did really well. And and his changeup was faster than his other pitches, faster than his breaking <laughs> balls. So. Always something something fun with the uh, with the position players pitching. I'll do the like the two second boyfriend spiel. By the way, if you're listening to us for the first time, every time we say the word boyfriend, that means it's a guy who's special that we chose in the off season because there's just a little something about him that we connect with. And Patty and I each choose one guy per team. Those are the rules. Only one repeat from year to year. And then we play fantasy baseball with them. We make the cuts. And and Eduardo Escobar, I, I'm kind of kicking myself for him not making my final cut because he's just so much fun. I don't know. But one guy who did make the final cut who really deserved the final cut is Jose Abreu from the White Sox, who has been helping out my fantasy team quite a bit. And he had a scary-ass collision with Hunter Dozier, where Dozier popped up. And the catcher ran out to get it. And and Dozier had to like run around the catcher in order to stay on the base path heading toward first. And he had his head down. So he wasn't looking ahead of him. Whereas Abreu was running in from first base and had his head up because he was also going for the pop-up. And their heads collided. And it was a scary-ass thing. And they were both sort of ca- carted off for, you know, concussion procedures. And Dozier's actually on the special seven-day concussion list. But Abreu, despite the fact that he was, like, bleeding, was in the next day and hit a home run. So, and a single. So he's just Dang. like, Superman, Superman. So, I don't know. You know, I don't condone like pushing beyond the healthy limits. Like I want my guys to take a rest what, when it's best for their health, but I, I hope he's all right and and just made of titanium or something. I think he is. Cause I, I think he's way too valuable for them to risk. Yeah. You know, if it's one of those things where if it is bad and they play him and they risk losing him for longer. Yeah. I think they mm-hmm. would have made the right choice. I think they're probably all right. Hey, so police blotter today, couple of things. One is the, The Major League Baseball Players Association filed a grievance against MLB for half, actually $500 million, half a billion dollars in damages for last year. This equals somewhere between 20 and 25 days pay for the whole league, saying that MLB did not act in good faith to play as many games as possible in the 2020 season. Wow. If you remember, they came to an agreement that they would get paid per game. And then MLB clamped down and said, oh, it's only safe to play 60 games. And and the Players Association said we could play farther into October. We could do this. We could do that. So this is new information that this happened. So stay tuned. I just want you to know that this is out there in the world. And the timing is interesting because their collective bargaining agreement expires in December. So MLB kind of wants this to go away fast both sides could actually use this as a bargaining chip to, you know, say, yes, we'll do this or yes, we'll make it go away to get what we want. So stay tuned. All right. Your vocabulary lesson is feudalism. I, I thought that this is where that connection was going. All right. Lovely. Do you want to do you want do you want to go for the for the definition or you want me to just go ahead and say I, you know what it is? Well, well, def, def, you could define it. I think you okay. know, just for the record. So in in a feudal system, 
the serfs are obliged to live on their lord's land and, you know, give him homage, labor, and a share of the produce. <laughs> and this comes up because the Astros are sounding very generous. And, you know, it's a good first step. They're providing furnished housing for all the players and all of their minor league affiliates, primarily because there are no host families this year because of COVID. Oh, so they're providing wow. housing. And this seems kind of great because it's really hard for minor leaguers to find housing. One of the things that they tend to do is they put like a thousand guys in one tiny apartment, which they can't do because COVID. So the Astros say, okay, here, we're going to put you in pods. It might be one person, it may be four people or whatever. We're going to give you housing. They're still not paying a living wage. Mm -hmm. So this is like an excellent first step. This would be a great plank in a platform to make the minor leagues be an actual job as opposed to something that will cause these players to lose money while they hope to get their call up. So as a reminder, the minor league teams got a little got a little raise. So the guys who are making $290 a week are now making $400 a week for the five-month regular season. Not the rest of the year, not even spring training. So the good news is they can probably afford to eat now but probably not much else. This is why these guys have these stories that sound so romantic, like, oh, I, you know, I was training during the day and doing DoorDash at night or doing whatever. It's like, is that really how we want these guys? Right. So hooray for the first step, Astros, now pony up the rest of it and everybody else, please pay attention and do the same thing. Because right now what we've got is feudalism. Right. So that's just one team, though. So one down, 29 to go. That is exactly right. And it's only one team with that baby step. Yeah. That baby step in the right direction. Uh, there is so far to go on this. Indeed. That sucks. Well, I have something to add to the police blotter this week, uh, which sort of sucks. We've talked, we talked about, was it last week, the week before, where you talked about the Roberto Alomar situation? Yeah. Where there are allegations of, you know, sexual harassment, right? Yeah, nothing new there. And you would think that this would carry over. So he's been removed from Toronto because of this. From He's not on the Blue Jays' role anymore, and MLB is investigating. So it's an ongoing situation. Well, MLB has also cut all ties in the meantime. Mm -hmm. He has no contracts with MLB. He's on the ineligible list, so no teams can create a contract with him in the MLB. So that right there says that this is this is serious. So I think it's it's beyond harassment. Then it's it's assault. But apparently, the Liga Profesional Baseball de Roberto Clemente in Puerto Rico is not concerned. So last season, we talked about his brand new team, the RA-12, and it was a cool concept where he was taking in really rookies to sort of build them up and give them some, some chance to get some playing under their belts. And they're on the slate for next year. So the, the LPBRC just announced that their opening week is November 8th. They're going to open with five teams, including the RA-12. Uh, along with the Cangrajeros, Gigantes, Criollos, and Indios. And apparently, uh, according to Edwin Hernandez, who's at MOP underscore K-N-O-W-S on Twitter, 
He said that Juan Galarza, the president of the Liga Roberto Clemente, isn't going to take action. And the board agreed with him. Like nothing. They're not doing anything. They're not investigating. I, I wrote back saying, is anybody complaining? Is anybody investigating? Are they doing anything about it? And my guess is that this is, uh, you know, old boys network. I'm sure they're all buddies. Circle in the wagons. He's our guy. Yeah. He's famous. He's everybody's idol. So we don't want to tarnish his reputation. Yep. And he's probably put some money behind this new team. No doubt. Right? No and doubt. they only yep. have five teams at this point. They've actually lost some because of other issues. So they want this team to continue. But what we need to keep our eye on is what is MLB going to do about this? Because if this is the team that's bringing in the rookies, MLB could tell their teams, the commissioner's office could tell teams, you cannot send players there. So that is what we need to keep our eye on. Yeah, I wonder if it would be you can't send players to his team. Yeah. Or if they can't to the league, because he, as an individual, has been banned from Major League Baseball. So I could see where they would ban players associated with Major League Baseball at any level from working with him. But I wonder if, yeah, that's, stay tuned, man. This police blotter yeah. is wide open for yeah. new information at any time. So you may have read about the Oakland A's possibly moving from Oakland. This is a can of worms. I kind of wish I had um, spent more time talking to my Oakland friends about how they feel about all of this because I read a variety of articles and I'm still a little stumped as to what my, my opinion should be. So here's the thing. So Major League Baseball sort of leaked and then had an official statement Depending on who is telling the story, this is interesting. Depending on who's covering it, the, the media might say MLB gave permission for the A's to look elsewhere. I've seen mm. gave their blessing. And I've also seen instructed the A's to look elsewhere for a new home because they have been trying to get a new stadium to replace the beloved and yet decrepit Oakland Coliseum for a long time, but this particular plan since 2017, and it hasn't really moved yet. So this seems like a nuclear option where MLB has been called in. And there was another, it was an article in the Atlantic saying they were holding Rob Manfred's ability to do this in their back pocket for when they needed it. Cause he had said all along, I, I could put the MLB pressure on you and let me know when. And apparently now was the time because they want the city council to vote on the, on the plan. And that's one aspect of the plan, you know, baby steps development takes a lot. They want city council to vote on this before their summer recess. And so they said, okay, well, fine. We're just going to move the team if you don't do this. Okay, that's a threat and the threat is bad. So here's what the, the proposal from 2017 is to develop a waterfront mixed-use development, including a ballpark in West Oakland. Current Coliseum is in East Oakland. Okay, I'm all for waterfront development. And I mean, our our ballpark in, in Washington has revitalized a neighborhood and it, it feels good and all that. Here's the downside. The, the, the mixed-use development has a bill of $12 billion on it, and the, the A's are only in it for the billion dollars it's going to cost for the stadium. So they're asking the city to pony up a boatload of money. I believe you have a, 
a way of describing volumes of things that use yeah, potty mouth words. That's yeah. yeah, that's definitely beyond shit ton. I think that is a fuckload of money. Absolutely. That, that might be, that might be. So MLB and the A's have said it's not feasible to rebuild on the Coliseum site, the East Oakland site for, for the future vision of baseball. I didn't say what that meant. Didn't say what that meant. Just said, no, we don't want to do that there. There's an organization called the East Oakland Stadium Alliance, who is the one, who are the ones who are saying, no, we need to rebuild in East Oakland. Thank you very much. And one of the problems is the air the, the site they have picked out in West Oakland is where the port is now. And the pro, the proponents of doing this say, oh, there's, there's still room for all of that. These guys are saying there are 90,000 port-related union jobs there. And you're talking... so building this thing that's not related to actual waterfront activity like the port is going to imperil at least some of these and have them be replaced by seasonal stadium work. So even if you have union builders on the stadium, that's a, you know, that's a a, a limited amount of time as opposed to these long time port workers. Um, And they also said, you know, the closest BART station to your site is a mile away. That's a problem. They were saying, oh, no, this West this West Oakland site is way better for transportation. And these guys are saying, no, it's not. I don't know who's right. I don't live there. I find it interesting that the um, a few of the elected officials in Oakland sent a letter to Rob Manfred that it just threw the most exquisite shade to him as saying, <laughs> one might think if you were to read this one way that you were not acting in good faith by saying this. Like, And they said... You say that the current Coliseum site is is not feasible. Why? Please tell us your plans, your studies. Show us all the information you have that's leading you to make this decision. And we actually are planning on voting on this. We're just, you know, getting all of our documents in order. So you also knew that because we asked to talk to you. So one might think you're not acting in good faith by saying this publicly when you knew. So it's very interesting. Wow. I want to learn a lot more about this. This is a big honky deal. One of the problems is the lease at the Coliseum runs out, I think in 2023 or 2024. And even if they start now at the waterfront, they say that wouldn't be done till till 2027. So who the heck knows what's happening with the A's? Everybody thinks they're gonna go to Vegas. They keep throwing other names around, but Vegas is now a sports town, right? They, they got their they got their Golden Knights. They, they got the Raiders from Oakland. So um, they're a sports town now. I think if, any, if they go anywhere, it's Vegas. Um, wow. I hope they can keep them, man, because those A's, those A's, they're, they're throwing around the, the the motto rooted in Oakland, but they got to prove it. I feel for that fan base, though. Losing your team to Vegas would be super harsh. And just, I don't know, that I feel torn because there's that not on public transport is a big deal. It really Who is. Who gets to for, go to your games. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's a huge point. But at the same po- same time, I I can't side with Rob Manfred, right? Like who's the good guy in this situation? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. That, so I, I actually think it is, is a mixed bag. Okay. It's a mixed bag. And I think if the A's can say, here's how we're going to, how we're addressing your concerns, your valid concerns about union jobs. Here's how we're addressing that transportation issue. Here's how we're addressing that. That would go a long way, but they're not. They're just saying, we're going to be super generous and put a million dollars in to build the ballpark for us. But look how it's going to help you. So go ahead and pony up the rest. It'll be fun. All right. Are you mad already? Yeah, ready to rant. Let's go. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if you know this story. Yeah. I just discovered the story and I am pissed. It's shitty. 
we're cross training with with high school softball right now. So there's an organization called the National Federation of State High School Associations, which pretty much runs most high school sports, right? So the rule for softball, the NFHS rule for softball, prohibits plastic visors, bandanas, and hair beads, allowing barrettes and bobby pins on paper. On paper, it says it's to allow for properly fitting batting helmets. And okay. That makes no sense. We already know what's wrong with this. Okay. So if, if you could say, you know, we're ruling out anything that creates a problem in your helmet fitting properly and just leave it at that, that's fine. But it, it's listing things and over here, and then they don't say anything about properly fitting helmets. It's only when they explain why the rule's there. They say that. Okay, so put a pit, put a put a pit in that. Yeah, put a, a, a flat pin that. that won't adjust your helmet in that. And let me take you back to April 19th. There's a game between two high school teams in Durham, North Carolina. The play is stopped in the second inning with Nicole Pyle on deck. And the opposing team, this is important, the opposing team's first base, base coach signaled to the umpire and said, hey, umpire comes over and says to Nicole, you know, you have to get rid of those beads in your hair. It's against the rules. So Nicole has played at least five or six games already this season, including at least one with that same umpire officiating. And no one has said a word to her about this. First, they said, oh, your braids are covering your number. So Nicole tucked her hair up into a bun, put it under the helmet. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. The beads, you have to get rid of the beads. That's the beads all together. So this is senior night. So there are the, pan, the the fans, the stands are extra full of fans. You've got parents, you've got families, you've got alumni, you've got a lot of people. Meanwhile, this poor little sophomore has a bunch of her teammates standing around her trying to tug these beads out of her hair. They're calling for scissors to cut these clear beads out of her hair. So we had talked a minute ago about the problem with the helmets fitting. These beads were at the end of long hair. They weren't under her helmet at all. Remember, the first complaint was we can't see your number. These beads are not a problem for your helmet fitting. These beads are because they're on a black girl. Yeah. I mean, straight up, that's what's happening. The poor girl said, I was humiliated. Everybody uh. was watching me. They were watching all of these beads getting pulled out of her hair while she's in the on deck circle, right? So she's she's humiliated. Uh, she's never. None of this has ever happened to her before. No one said anything. Her coach didn't say anything. The uh, the the officials and and the other games never said anything. Yeah, she had played games with the same beads, with the same hair, with zero problem. So the Durham Public Schools are pissed. Yep. And they said, you know, we support our students' right to free expression, and we oppose unreasonable or biased restrictions on Black women's hairstyles. Thank you, Durham Public Schools. This is a big yeah. freaking deal. The woman who represents the NFHS, who was trying to explain this away, was both expressing some regret, but also some, it is a rule. It's in there. So she shouldn't have them. But they are. there is going to be a rules committee meeting next month. And you know this is going to be like the, the biggest topic of conversation. It's unfreaking believable. Why? Right. The, so Nicole and her dad have said, okay, we want this rule gone, but we also want an apology from that other high school. Yeah. Because absolutely, she was clearly singled out by the white guy who yeah. was the first base coach from this other high school. And, and the white umpire. 
and the yeah, well, it, but it was initiated by him. But absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, you got to say that umpire at that time probably had to enforce the rule. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know how much I don't because they didn't enforce it before. So I don't know right. how much leeway they had, but it's definitely I mean, the coach is the one who initiated it. But yes, absolutely. That that umpire followed through on it. And it's gross and it's wrong. And you know what? There's just got to be a way to get what you think will keep the players safe. Right. Without singling out people for I, this is this is not OK. Yeah, well, and I didn't catch the part where the rule came from the fit of the batting helmet. You know, in that case, barrettes make no fucking sense because your oh, barrette no, no. Flat, is up. flat barrettes, flat barrettes. But still, I know. like it can. You know, have you ever like when you have a barrette on and if it pushes, it, if I have a hat on top of a barrette, you can, it pushes into your head. Like I know, that is in the way. The beads weren't doing anything. Scrunchies so. are okay. Who uh, wears scrunchies? We know who wears scrunchies. I mean, right. we played a lot when my kid was playing softball. A lot of teams were the whole team wore these big fluffy bows on their ponytails. Yeah. So they looked like straight girls. Seriously. That's why they wear the bows. Those, those fit under the helmet. Those are big honking things. Yeah. I don't know. What a fucking mess. That's yeah. Just... So, yeah. Yeah. So the cross training with hockey was happy. The cross training with softball kind of sucked. So sorry about that. Not so happy. And, you know, I wonder what how MLB comes down on that, because we do a lot of talking about grooming with our players. And there are definitely a lot of MLB players out there with dreadlocks or long hair. And so I wonder if somebody popped a beat in what would happen. But uh, but speaking of grooming, actually, and, and me watching too many Angels games, uh, man, that lineup with Trout, Otani, Rendon, that's the the three in a row. It's like. That is a harsh one to get through. And Anthony Rendon was looking really scraggly until today, which I thought was amusing. So this is your former almost always boyfriend that you caught on the Nats. And Mr. Potty Mouth, I think it was also because it was like, you know, military weekend or whatever. They were wearing those stupid camo hats. And his beard situation was out of control. And I love his hair, but Everything together made him look like he was straight out of Duck Dynasty. And then today, though, and he's away. Today, he cleaned it up. He like I was impressed. And he, you know, he he made me sort of alter my notes here because he cleaned it up and didn't actually he made a pretty good. He made an amazing, sexy defensive play. But so, yeah. So two things about that. One is he's been on the aisle twice this season, at least. And he just came off of it like a few days ago. This is the second time. So I kind of think things go haywire for his facial hair when he's like on break. I think he puts his feet up. Maybe he's like watching a lot of Duck Dynasty with his feet up while he's recovering from whatever. (laughs) Put him on the aisle this time. But I got to say those freaking camo. Yeah. Caps make everybody look like it's a beer league. Yeah. I mean, okay, I'm stereotyping, but honestly, they don't look like professional baseball players when they wear those. It looks like it's, you know, guys posing and, yeah. you know, in military gear. It, it, it's like, no, this is not okay. Yeah. And somebody posted, I think it was our friend Ollie, that he was former military. I can't remember what. And he's like, I had never heard of this weekend. Like, this isn't something that military people are rallying around. Like, they did this as a, you know, it's promo a way to sell thing. camo hats. Yep. 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 Hey, wow. So our COVID reports have been, you know, pretty quick the past few weeks because things have been pretty good. Things broke out a little bit this week. I'm going to try to explain what went on. First of all, there were 10 positive tests this week, three players, and that affects 22 clubs total that have had at least one person in the tier one, which are players, coaches, the inner circle test positive. Now, a 
dozen clubs have reached that 85% threshold where 85% of the players have been fully vaccinated. There are another four where everyone has been, what the 85% has been vaccinated, but they haven't quite finished their two weeks till their superpowers kick in. So that's, you know, that'll be 16 teams. When that happens, one of the things that gets relaxed is testing. So they're only tested, their, their monitoring testing is only twice a week instead of every two days. That may have come into play here. Before we get to the specific teams, um, I wanted to say that Atlanta, Arizona, and Texas are currently at 100% capacity, and these teams are going there soon. The Reds on June 2nd, the Nats on June 11th, the Brewers on June 25th, and the Twins on July 5th. There will probably be more because mask mandates are dropping off and all kinds of things are happening. So you may have heard the Yankees, eight cases. Only one of those is a player, and the uh, the other seven are staff, their coaches or other staff, seven of them, these are called breakthrough cases because all of those people had been vaccinated. Seven of them were asymptomatic. They would only have been caught because of these monitoring testings. If if you or I feel good because mm-hmm. we've been vaccinated, even if we don't notice anything, why would we get a test? So we don't know how many other people actually are carrying COVID that have been vaccinated because they feel fine. And that's actually good because that means the vaccine is doing what it's supposed to do. These The Yankees had the, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which the one-shot one is less effective than the other ones on complete prevention. It's only like 66% effective on preventing catching COVID at all. What it's very good at is what happened here. It lessens the impact. If you've had the J&J, you, you may remain asymptomatic or at least not be so... So I'm so sick that you have to go to the hospital, right? So it it eliminates a lot of the danger in it. And even the one, the one coach who was symptomatic was only feeling sick for a day or two and it was already feeling better again. So the problem is the general public is nowhere near herd immunity, right? And so these players are not in a bubble, right? So vaccine or no, they're still out in the world where there are people who are not vaccinated and who knows what they're doing, especially now that mask mandates are going away and people are just hanging out. You don't know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't. There's an open question that public health officials are trying to figure out, and this matters for how the vaccine works. They're trying to figure out, did they all catch it from one source like at one time? Like they were all in the dugout together for a long time during a rain delay last weekend. You know, they're, they're in close quarters a lot. Doesn't even the team hangs out is together, right? Mm-hmm. So they could have all gotten it pretty much at the same time from one person or one vaccinated person got it from that person and then spread it to other vaccinated people, which would be a problem because then the, the vaccinated person is carrying and, and able to spread to other vaccinated people. So that needs to be figured out. But I find that whole thing fascinating and it's being looked at by people who know a lot more than I do. But the good news is, with all of those positive tests on the Yankees, only one person felt at all sick and not for long. So it's doing, the vaccines are doing their job, even though they're not 100%. Now the Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Will Myers both tested positive. And then Profar, Mateo, and Hosmer were quarantined through contact tracing, right? They tested negative, but they were close contacts, so they had to be quarantined. So he, this is interesting with the Padres. The Padres are not at 85%. They're not willing to say how close they are. Hmm. And they're they're not disclosing the vaccine status of these players, which is fine. Medical privacy, that's fine. But fully vaccinated players, 
even if they were in close contact, don't need to isolate. And these guys are isolating, which leads one to believe doing the math that maybe they weren't vaccinated either. So Oof. hello, Padres, get it together. And the Padres have said, we're doing our best. You know, we can't mandate that they get the vaccine, but we can provide education and we have been providing it. So this is what happens, my friends. This is what happens. Yeah, get vaccinated. I remember when this, you know, things all started, there was a big deal about, you know, the the baseball players aren't going to get the vaccine before the general public. They're not going to jump ahead in line. And now it's like you and I are both like vaccinated and and have our immunity and baseball players still haven't been. It just seems weird. It seems really weird. I expected them to be at least at the top of, you know, our our Group you think people. they would be highly motivated given the job they yeah, do to right. to take care of it so they get to play the game that they are paid yeah. to play. Yeah. But uh. well, you know, we look to Taiwan for help on this because at a time when nobody was playing baseball, Taiwan was playing because they were so good at managing the the virus that they followed rules and everybody was masked and they got it in control enough that they actually had fans in the stands in 2020 and they opened the season this year doing you know equally as well and if you look at the cases in Taiwan over time over the past year they are tiny it's like two every couple of days and they're, they were all foreign. So, you know, somebody came in and somehow they got on it really fast and, you know, they got it under control. For the first time since this the, the breakout happened, they're having a rise in local cases, which means that somehow it didn't get tamped down and started spreading locally. And so the week of uh, May 9th to 15th, there were 144 cases. Now to us, that's like, Oh my God. I mean, you know, we probably still have that in our town in a day or something. I don't know. It's no, no, are we, how say, are we? We we get maybe a dozen a week in, okay, in our good. in our local town. So Yay. like that's good. But it's also only seventeen thousand people that we're working with. Yeah. So for them to be at 144, somebody said something, and I couldn't find it on the Taiwan CDC website, about 180 yesterday. So I'm not sure if that's part of the going up, but uh they stopped having fans in the stands and they played today with no fans and they actually canceled two games uh, by the dragons in Taipei, because I guess that's the, you know, hot, hot spot. And there's a lot of talk about suspending the season, just completely stopping baseball because of 180, you know, max cases, which is wild. Both the Guardians and the Lions managers want to suspend the season. And I didn't look at the standings for today. I know that the Lions were up there. They they were on top either yesterday or the day before, and then they lost today, got shut out for the first time in like 80 games or something crazy like that. But I don't know what's going to happen. That makes me really sad because I'm still, you know, even though MLB is going on, I'm still loving my breakfast baseball. This morning, actually, Felix Dubrant, former pitcher from the Red Sox, debuted for the Lions, didn't get the win, but apparently had a good outing. And then Eduardo Nunez, also like superhero from the Red Sox from their World Series year in 2018. He got an inside the park home run on opening day, totally like set the scene for the team that year. He is on the Guardian's farm right now. He just got out there and he's with the farm team and he would be going up to the Guardian's if 
they get to continue their season. And I really, really, really hope they do. It just makes me sad because they're like, you know, the, the, the place that we look to for COVID sanity and to see this happen, but also it shows responsibility. You know, I mean, if they, they say that health is more important than baseball. Yep. Do we know if any teams are affected directly or it's just that the community around them is testing positive? That's a really good question. I have not heard anything about baseball players being. Oh, this is so sad because yeah, you're right. We have been holding them up as the the model for good public health, and this is they're still the model for good public health. They're they're clamping down on this because it's a problem. They don't want the problem to get worse. Yeah, and they're they're going to do the right thing. So a more happy happy international baseball. Our friends in the UK women's baseball is going to happen in a couple days. Uh, actually, at the end of this week, May 22nd, eight teams are kicking off between England and Scotland for women's baseball. And, you know, we last left you with the the crisis and then things had gotten better. They actually, the, the head of British Baseball Federation was forced to resign by popular uprising against this horrible ad that they had posted for women's baseball. Go back to our episodes from last week and the week before and also check out our friends uh, Birds with Balls. I got it right this time, didn't I? Yeah, Birds with Balls. Yeah, you did. They are fantastic. Uh, a couple of women in the UK talking about baseball. And also, like their friends in Australia, um, or our friends in Australia, everybody's women friends in Australia, they had to, <laughs> to do fundraising because women's sports leagues don't get funded as well. And they put out a GoFundMe and they reached their goal within two days. So it's oh, amazing. That's so we great. will also, yeah, it's it's such good news. We will also put that link in our show notes. So please feel free to continue to give because it's wonderful to have women's leagues out there as models and hope that someday we will get that in our country. That would be very nice. That would be great. And we're so excited about our friends at DC Girls Baseball. So stay tuned mm-hmm. later this week when we release a special episode where we interview one of the founders of DC Girls Baseball and several of the players. So we're trying to get girls and women's baseball going in this country too. Can I give you some good news about one thing that's happening to me this week? Yes. I am going to be a host family. We are going to be a host family for a player for the Silver Spring Tacoma Thunderbolts, the collegiate wooden bat league. That's so so cool. yeah, Yeah. So I'm really happy about that. Wow, I had no clue. That's awesome. Good, good work. Nice Thank going. You. Thank when, you. When does he show up? Us. Well, they're they're just doing the um the placing this week, so I don't okay. know who it is yet. But they're the season. They they have to report on June third. So anytime June first and later. So I'll keep you posted. Oh, that is so much fun. That yes, so I hope fun. it's somebody with a sense of humor because they may end up on the podcast. Who knows? Oh, yes. <laughs> I am sure he will. I am sure. That's awesome. What else exciting is going on this week? We're going to celebrate your birthday at Camden Yards, which is going to yeah, be the are. best place to celebrate a Patty birthday. So I'm excited for that. We're going yes. Wednesday night. And uh, yeah, everybody, this drops Tuesday. So check your TV feeds for the O's games and where the two crazy people screaming in the up in the nosebleed somewhere. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. So, hey, go to some games, watch some games, go before your your local ballpark goes to 100%. So it's a wee bit safer to go to those games. Hey, did you get your vaccinations yet? Please do. Please find us on social media. 
Hang out with us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. Yay. And tell your friends about us if you would, if you'd like, like to hear us talk about baseball. And in the meantime, you know, the CDC says don't wear your mask. We say wear your mask anyway when you're in a, in a group. Please, thank you so much for that. Please fight the man. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. I was like, they what? They what? Indeed, yeah.